0: chapter 10 if you would proverbs chapter 10 as we move along in our study still in proverbs chapter 10 and we still got a ways to go to finish proverbs chapter 10 we're not even well i'm going backwards actually we're not even halfway there but quite honestly we have studied quite a bit of the proverbs because we've dealt with subjects that have uh, taken us through chapters 10 through 31 and uh Actually, quite honestly, have taken us all over the book of Proverbs and have taught us uh, valuable lessons like on the tongue and love and hate and other things. And tonight, uh, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 13 has our next, uh, our next food for thought. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. As we continue our study in Proverbs... Uh, I draw your attention to verse 13, and in that verse, God speaks of a rod, a form of punishment, you know, I would think, and it reveals the need of the rod to correct men who are without understanding. Do you see that? Uh, And so we're going to look at that subject uh, this evening. Deemed cruel and unusual punishment in our society today, God inspired Solomon to write about the value of the rod to write about its purpose. And he does so in a number of different places. It deals with the evil that is in the hearts of men. And what is interesting is that the same thing, the rod, is not only used in reference to adults and to men who are disobedient, and obviously that would include women, but it's used in reference to the discipline of children. And so we're going to have opportunity to dig into both. Uh, And we'll begin our study this evening in that subject. Now, it really looked like this was going to be one of those simple subjects because there's only 21 times in the Bible, or at least in Proverbs, sorry, that you see the word rod or stripes, which is another term used in reference to the rod, or chastening or of some form. Some form of those words is found just about 21 times. But I found that there's a lot to be said about this. And there's a great need to address it. And so um, uh, so I have entitled the outline <clears throat> Proverbs for Life, The Rod and Reproof, Part 1. There you go. All right. <clears throat> so uh, there will be other other parts as we um, look at this subject because um, actually I've only prepared probably like a third of what could be and needs to be said about this important matter um, So although it may seem like there's not a lot of times the word is found or these words are found, there's a lot to be said about it, and it's really important because it deals both with, get this, government and family, Uh, because both have a responsibility to deal with and use the rod, and uh, they are the same term, they are the same thing, and we're going to see what God has to say. Let's pray and ask him to help us. Lord, we do need your uh, your aid in this uh, important subject of dealing with the rod and what Proverbs has to say about it. Discipline, correction, chastisement. And so I'm asking that you would give me the wisdom to say what I ought and help me to make things clear. And I pray that we would have a good biblical understanding of this subject, a subject that is sorely needed to be dealt with, not just because uh, parents and, and homes are are in a a mess today because people have abandoned Bible truth but because our government is a mess today because they have abandoned Bible truth and we need to know what your word says. So please give us understanding, give us help and I pray that you would uh, make it very clear to God's people what you expect and that we would see the value and importance of this time. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it possible our children are learning violence across their mommies and daddies' knees in the name of love? Uh, Those things that are done in the best interest of a child with approving nods from their religious and educational establishments and even the courts uh, is something that we need to talk about. All of us abhor rioting, terrorism, street crime, capital punishment, and any form of torture, brutality, and uh, human inhumanity, and yet we encourage parents to do those very things. Those questions and statements were postulated in an article in a magazine called Theology Today by a guy by the name of Robert G- Gil- Gilog. I knew I was going to have trouble with this. You know what? I could pronounce it any way I want, and you would never know, right? Gilog. All right, there we go. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, the title of the article was Listen to this Spanking Hurts Everybody. And he went on in this lengthy article to defend the anti spanking view. He wrote One of the more newsworthy events that occurred amidst uh, the brouhaha of the International Year of the Child, which, by the way, was a while back, I know that both penetrated the rhetoric and promised to make a real difference in improving the quality of life for children was the anti-spanking law enacted in Sweden. Despite ensuing political and legal difficulties and in attempting to clarify both parental and children's rights and in defining what precisely constitutes a spank, this law focused worldwide attention on spanking as a serious concern and of great consequence. The initial prospect of an anti-spanking movement in America has had little impact, which, by the way, he was sad about. Uh, There was hardly any positive response. In fact, the idea encountered immediate resistance. Some Christians were seriously intimidated by what was conceived as a threat to their personal and religious prerogatives. Nobody's going to tell me I can't spank my kids. Some invoked the authority of God and the Bible defiantly, clinging to the old adage, spare the rod and spoil the child. In a year that focused so much concerning child abuse, one would have expected enthusiastic acceptance by the Christian community. However, those denominations from whom some voice of rational assent was anticipated remained remarkably silent and noncommittal. Spare the spank movements didn't spring up suddenly in congregations across the country, nor did they spontaneously appear elsewhere. Negative Christian responses can more likely be attributed to the fact that many Christian parents, using a variety of methods, spank their own children and find encouragement to do so from their interpretation of selected Bible passages and from certain popular religious parenting primers. In the name of God, divine inspiration and biblical inerrancy, many Christian parents as well as administrators of church-operated children's homes and institutions continue to cite Spare the the Rod and Spoil the Child in defense of belt buckles, leather straps, hickory switches, hairbrushes, boards, paddles, the flat of the hand, and if necessary, the clenched fist or worse, which I have never heard anyone ever advise. Or say it was right. But, uh, but you know you always build up things if you're trying to destroy them. All right. Mr. Gilligy, whatever, Mr. G. I'm going to call him Mr. G from here on out. Mr. G took great pains to deal with the issue of corporal punishment and expressed his opinion that the brash, outdated, and ridiculous Old Testament admonitions neither apply today, nor are they wise or correct. He goes into admonitions, uh, I'm sorry, he goes to great length to argue that Jesus taught us something different. Now, we may reference his ideas a little bit later, in fact, we will. But toward the end of this lengthy article, he wrote this, The abolition of spanking is perhaps a utopian solution, but worthy of our greatest courage, commitment, and missionary zeal. Is spanking evil? Is it wrong? Does the Bible oppose such? Did Jesus teach something differently? As as we've just heard, there are voices in what is called Christianity which even call in question the validity, the, the, the right of a parent to spank And, by the way, there are plenty in Christianity as well who argue against any kind of capital punishment, not just the death penalty, but some even are against imprisonment and some are against any form such as the rod, which is used in other countries, as a form of, of correction for that which is wrong. So what does the Bible teach? Most seem to, when they're arguing against this passage, try to give us a picture of a dichotomy between the Old and New Testaments. And they picture, as we've talked about a number of times from the pulpit, they picture the Old Testament as being law, the New Testament as being a, a message of love, and they see them as totally different when in reality they, they are not different whatsoever. They preach the same message. Um, but we don't have time for that. And I'm not saying that's for another time. It is for another time, but our purpose is not to deal with that subject. It's not to approach that issue as much as it is to help you see from the Bible what God says about the rod, because he talks about it in a number of different ways. Solomon shared a number of things in regard to discipline. And I remind you again, both in the home and in the government, in fact, about equally, he talks about the rod and about their importance in both roles. And you heard me correctly. Proverbs deals with chastening both with adults and children. And I hope to prove that to you, and then help you see from the Bible what God expects. So let's begin with, that was all introductory, all right, the principles of chastisement or chastisement, or however you want to say it. I've heard it said so many different ways uh, so many times. Chastisement is the way I would put it. The principles of chastisement. Now, this is an interesting one, and we've got to take a little bit of time on it. But I want you to listen carefully. I want you to think with me, all right? Look at chapter 13, if we would, of Proverbs. Probably one of the most familiar verses. In fact, the one that's cited when you use the spare the rod, spoil the child statement, which, by the way, uh, he spent a lot of time explaining the fact that it's not found in the Bible. And it's not. It's just a statement that people have made that kind of, you know, well, I guess it flows, so people use it. It is not found in the Bible. If you want to find support for it, that would probably be this verse, or at least it points to that same idea. Verse 24 four of chapter 13. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Now, um, Proverbs 13.4 is... a probably the most referenced verse when parents are instructed from the Bible about spanking. And in this verse, we find something that's very important, and I want you to note it and keep it in mind, all right? The rod is tied to chastening in a very real way, in a very distinct way. In fact, it's basically compared in the same way. He that spareth his rod, hateth his son, but he that loveth him, chasteneth him. So look, the rod and chastening are one and the same in that verse. When they use the word chastening, he's talking about the rod. When he's using the word rod, he's talking about chastening. They are different words. But I want you to see that they are tied together in this passage. They're not just tied together here, but take a look at Proverbs chapter 22, if you would. Proverbs 22 and in verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the... What's the next three words? Rod of correction. So the rod is called the rod of correction. The word correction here is the same word translated chastisement in uh, chapter 13 and verse 24. So you need to understand that. Um, Now, this word and this idea, and I know I'm having you go around a little bit differently, but look in chapter 15 as well. Chapter 15. Now, the word chastisement is found in this verse where it says correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. This word is referencing adults. Adults who have made a decision regarding the course of life they'll follow. And and this verse in verse 10 says that correction is grievous. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be chastised. All right, so... I want you to see chapter 13, when it deals with children and the rod, he talks about the rod and chastisement. He ties them very intricately together and says they're one and the same. They're all part of, they are part of, an integral part of chastisement. Chapter 22, the same thing is true. Chapter 15, he talks about chastisement, and he says that it does refer to adults. So we're trying to establish the fact the rod and chastening are connected and That chastening is not just for children, but it's also for adults. All right? You got those ideas? You understand those concepts. They say, why did you take time to explain that? Because it's foundational to the argument that's given by those who oppose spanking with the rod or by those who oppose corporal punishment for both children and adults. You see... They explain that these verses are say, not saying what they say. Either that or they argue, again, as we've said, the New Testament teaches a different way. But the same writer referenced, uh, or, or um, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, if we took time to do it, and I, again, we're not going there this today, uh, but Hebrews chapter 12 references the fact of chastisement and says that God does it with his children just like a father does it with his children, which is consistent with, and it was a reference to, the book of Proverbs, where Solomon many times talked about chastisement and a father chastising his children. Now, the writer who we referenced at the beginning said this, use use of the Bible in child rearing is not being challenged, which is interesting because he is saying you're not supposed to use the Bible. But he goes on, he explains it, but particular interpretations of isolated passages need to be examined carefully and their use when taken out of context, discouraged. According to him, and I'm serious about this as I read through the article, anytime a verse speaks of spanking or striking a child, it's taken out of context. Yet he then said this, certainly parents need to be admonished to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So in one breath, he says, verses can't be taken out of context. In another verse, and and so any verse in Proverbs that talks about spanking children is taking it out of context. But then he turns around and says, in the very same book of Proverbs, there's good verses that will help you with the rearing of children. Isn't that an amazing thing? But God doesn't allow that dichotomy. God doesn't allow us to separate those things. And that is somewhat the point we're trying to make here. Now, he said this, and this is unbelievable. He said, the reliance on ancient Proverbs for purposes of pedagogical instruction is terribly risky business. Generally, the picture of children viewed from the perspective of Proverbs is anything but positive. He said, Proverbs teaches that children were not people but property. That they were chattel like cattle that needed to be controlled. They were for use or abuse and treated more like animals than human beings. Bizarre stuff. Salmon was writing to his son. The whole book was a father writing to his son. The whole book is children-father relationship. The whole book is written to help a son know how he's supposed to act. And that father not only instructed his child, but told his child what he should do with his kids Because he did it with his own and he knew that this is wisdom from God, not Mm -hmm. his own wisdom. So his idea was when Solomon says something we like, we ought to accept it. But when it's something we don't like, we ought not listen to it. And so my question is, who decides which Proverbs of Solomon are good and which which ones are bad? Okay, but I digress. I'm getting off. From the subject. I'm going it on a rabbit trail, so I don't want to go there. So let's get to the point. Remember, God ties chastening and the rod together repeatedly. He said that chastening is to be done both with the child and the adult. Okay? Now that's absolutely clear. You can't refute that point. And if you do, then you're gonna have another problem. And here's the reason why. Because chastisement is found 30 times in the book of Proverbs. And it's not just found when it talks about children and discipline and adults and discipline. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Okay, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2. Someone read it for me, would you? Okay, someone read verse uh, 3 for me. All right, someone read verse 7, if you would, please. And then someone read verse 8, if you would. <laughs> father, son, good. Read it together. <laughs> there you go. <coughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I guess it wasn't father, son. I thought it was the two of you coming up, but it was it was the guy back there. It's the guy back there, troublemaker back behind you. Okay. All right. So here here's the thing. I want you to listen to this. A great majority of the time, when the word chasten Translated when dealing with children and the discipline of adults. It's always referred to as chastening chastening. throughout the Bible. Those four verses. Do you see the word instruction? It's the same word. Here the chastisement of a father. So the point is 30 times, probably 20 some odd times in the scripture, 25 or so of those 30 times. You see the word instruction, you don't see the word chastening. But they mean the very same thing. So, if chastisement is wrong in dealing with adults and parents, then chastisement in teaching verbally instruction is also wrong. You can't divide the two. The point is, and the first point we're trying to make is chastening, is all about instructing. Chastening is all about instructing. It is done by various means. But the point we are trying to make is... You can't say, in one case, chastening is wrong. In another case, chastening is right. In the same book... ...where he 30 different times talks about it. If it is wrong to chasten children... With the rod, which is talked about clearly, then it is wrong for a parent to instruct their child in anything. Because in chapter 1, he said four times, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to chasten you with instruction. And that chastening, if it's wrong in one place in, in Proverbs, is wrong every place in Proverbs. Does that make sense? Do you understand the argument and the valid argument? You can't go through a book and say, "Well, we're going to accept the word "chasing here, but we won't accept the word "chasing there." That this instruction is good here, but this one isn't. So if the 30 times it's good, five, or, or 30 times it's used, five times is not used right, but, but 25 it's used right. That, that is not. That's, that actually you know what? A, a paper, seriously, a paper written that's in a theological uh, um, magazine. Is, uh, it tells you something about that theological magazine that does something so egregious as totally ignores the fact that a word used to talk about instructing is to be used 25 times in the book but not five times or accepted. So the point is that throughout the book of Proverbs chastisement is done and given. It's given verbally in most cases but it's also given by the rod and we have to accept every example or accept none of them. They're all valid because chastening is about instruction. It's done verbally, we'll talk about that in a few moments. So I'm getting to another point later on. Now my opponents might say chastening is done by various means and that's true because we see it's given verbally here, it's instruction and that's, that's very true. And that the rod is no longer right. But uh, again, wh- how do we make that distinction? Because the rod and chastening were tied together. And they were talked about as one thing. So then, uh, how can we say, and we can't, really we can't. It's impossible to say that chastening, and or the rod and chastening are wrong. It's um, interesting is the form of chastening is determined by the person who needs it when Solomon talks to his son and tries to give him instruction for life or chastening for life he does it verbally but when you have a rebel a fool he needs a rod when you have a child who is foolish you need a rod but when you're trying to instruct or chasten them in other matters that they're open to and willing to, and they're wise, then verbal verbal chastisement is appropriate. It depends on the person who's receiving it. So, uh, either chastisement teaches in all of its forms, or it fails in all of its forms. And um, and that is just. You know what? That's not just common sense. That's, that, that is, that is boy, how, how do you say it? Uh, just It's correct. It's right. Even though right is wrong these days and wrong is right in our government, it's right. And uh, it's not just sensible, it's right. Okay, so second thing I want you to know about chastening. Chastening is all about instructing, and it's right in every one of its forms in the book of Proverbs. Chastening is the way of life. Look if you would in chapter 6 and verse 23. Chapter 6 and verse 23. For the commandment is lamp and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. There's two different words, by the way, translated chastening. One is used 21 times, I told you, another one's used some 16 times, and they are both found here reproofs of instruction. Are the two words that are translated and, and used in the form of or in, in the matter of chastening. And what he says here is that chastening, roof roofs, and instruction are the way of life. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, I, I I put it this way to explain, because of our sinful nature. Look, chastening is necessary. It's a it's a, a It's necessary to get people on the way of life, to keep people on the way of life, and it's just part of the way of life. Say say why. Okay, because Proverbs chapter 1 and so many other places throughout the, the book, people just need instruction to know the way of life. And then people need to be stopped when they're going down the wrong way of life. Make sense? Okay. It does, and that's consistent with the scripture. Chastening is the way of life. It's just part of life. It's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And, and to go through this book and pick and choose what we're going to use and not use, or to say some is good and some isn't good, is, is, uh, it's, it's silliness. It's foolish. Because chastening is the way of life. It's necessary. Everyone needs it. Um. We have a sinful nature bent on going the wrong way, and we need to know what's right. And that's done by chastening. And we need to be stopped when we're doing what's wrong, and that comes through chastening. Uh, And and so uh, chastening is a way of life. We need instruction, and we always will need instruction because of our sin nature. Now, uh, third truth about chastening, and the third, if you would, principle about chastisement is that, uh, and this is the, the, if you would, the positive aspect. Chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And I think you'll know what it is because you'll see, as soon as you see it, you'll know the verses. Chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. So someone tell me, what do we learn about it and, and why, uh, why is this a principle and what principle do we learn? Okay, all right, well, wait a second, second. in those verses, I'm going to call you on the carpet on this way, okay, God does it, and he always does it, always, okay, now, we need to do it in love, and that's very true, in fact, he ties that in another place, he says a father that loves his child is going to correct him, but uh, we sometimes make mistakes, in fact, Hebrews deals with that subject as well, Uh, sometimes parents don't, chasten out of, out of love and they, they do things wrong. But chastening, here's the principle, is done by God out of love. So here's what I find very offensive. I find it offensive when people say chastening in this case is wrong, but when God does it, it's right. Chastening in, in, in this passage is wrong, but when Solomon does it in chapter 1, it's right. That is, that is just that is utter, utter foolishness. Look, if God does it, then chastening is right. Now, that doesn't mean all chastening that's done is right. And we know that, and scriptures even bear that fact out. But the point is, chastening is done by God. It's done out of love. And um, and God God acts like a parrot acts. Hebrews chapter 12. And in this passage, uh, my son despise not the chastening of the Lord. Uh, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. And here's what he ties it in. Get this. Even as a The son in whom he delighteth. Now, look, if you're going to tell me that the chastening Solomon talked about later in this book, which is consistent with this, is wrong, then you're you're telling me that what God does is wrong. Because God does it like a father does it. A father who loves his son corrects his son, and a God who loves us corrects us. Chastens us and to say that what solomon wrote about later on is sinful is to say our god is and i take great offense to that and you should too in fact i, I would dare say that's that's just uh, along the line of heresy so uh, let's if you haven't got the point i'm i'm pretty passionate about this but you need to understand how how vitally important and how true and how right the Bible is when it talks about the rod, and there's nothing sinful in it. And anyone who tells you differently is not telling you what God says. And their interpretation, no matter what interpretation they give, if they tell you that the rod is wrong, is inconsistent, not just with Proverbs, but the entire Bible. Alright, then chastening takes on many forms. And let me just since we're trying to lay out principles of chastisement, chastening takes on many forms. So in chapter one, what forms what form is chastening in? Okay, verbal. Wise words are part. And look at chapter 13. Take a moment and look there. And I know we gotta we gotta end. Wow, oh, I wanted to get a lot further than I did. Okay. Chapter 13. In verse 1. And God says, A wise son heareth his father's instruction. Chastisement. Okay? A wise son hears it. Get this. Words are sufficient for wise people. But what does Proverbs 22 say? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So they need a different form than words. Someone says, just talk with your kids about it. If they're wise, that'll work. But God says they're not. So who are you going to believe? There are times you sit down and talk with them. Because they're showing maybe and indicating by their life they have wisdom. And you don't need the form of the rod. But a great majority of the time, especially with a young child, as they get older, things are going to change some. They better. And if, if not, then the problem has been you haven't been doing it right in the first place. But in the beginning especially, they're foolish because their mind isn't, they're not there yet. And they don't have the wisdom of life and lessons learned. And so the rod is appropriate. But words are part of it. Words are sufficient for wise people. Chapter 13, verse verse 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof, again, chastisement, shall be honored or refuseth chastisement. So... Uh, look, words are, are sufficient for wise people. Scorners, chapter 13 and verse 1, don't accept it. Fools, chapter 15 and verse 5, don't accept it. Children, chapter 22 and verse 15, need more than words. Um, and so this is God's instruction. Oh, here, let me give you this one. I, um, I, j- just this is a side note, okay? Stocks are part. You say stocks. I'm not talking about stocks and bonds. Proverbs chapter 7. Just take a moment. I, I had to throw this one in because it's there. Talking about the, uh, the strange woman and the guy who follows after her. Look in verse 22. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to what? Fool to the, what's the next word? Correction of the stocks, the chastisement of the stocks. So there are other forms of discipline that can be used with adults that sometimes work. So stocks, there you go. And again, that's not money or anything else, all right? Uh, Solomon references those as a correction method used by governments to get adults back on the right path. Let me give you a third, and and actually this one, you kind of got to dig through the, the Proverbs, and I don't have time to delve into it a lot, because I'm already late, all right? Natural consequences are part of chastisement. And they are, aren't they? By the way, who hasn't learned through natural consequences? And who hasn't been chastised through natural consequences? Seriously, who in this room hasn't been chastised through natural consequences? You know, you, you do something you do something you shouldn't do. And man, a lot of times you pay for it, okay? And you say, if you, you argue that... Um, if you want to argue that chapter eight and verse thirty three, Solomon said this. He said, "Hear instruction, be wise, and refuse it not." He said, "Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily." Look, if you learn uh, from from the verbal lessons, and if you learn from other things, you'll avoid, if you would, your own destruction and your own hurt. Verse thirty six: He that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. So, if you make your own choices, there are natural consequences that come as a result, and those are chastisement. They're instruction. But the thing is, don't learn the the hard way. In fact, especially with the strange woman, God says, you know, the man who does that will regret it someday because there are natural consequences. And then, fourth, if you didn't know this was coming, the rod is part of chastisement. And you can't separate that. Now, someone may think I can do the job of chasing with my kids without the rod, but that denies Proverbs 22 that says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And the word bound means tied. Foolishness is just tied to their heart. And the rod of correction drives it away. So the rod is part. Some chastening has nothing to do with the rod, but to think you can ignore the rod is absolutely foolish. It's part of correction. And by the way, the reason we have so much trouble in our world today with repeat offenders is because the government has said, God's ideas are crazy. And if they would get back to God's ideas, we would would have a lot less prison crowding and we'd have a lot less crime. But because men have said, God's ideas of chastening don't work. And by the way, I've heard, I've heard many Christian parents say the same. They're blowing it. when God has said the rod works and it's part of chastisement, And to ignore that is to ignore what God clearly said. And this word, and we're gonna pick up here. We're gonna look at the people needing it and then we're gonna move on to other things. Um, you say I already know the people who need it. Okay, we've already hit those things, uh, and everything. my kids need it. All right. Um, tr- truth is, everyone does uh, needs chastisement. Everyone, in all areas, in all in all ways. But um, we're going to we're going to deal with those who need the rod specifically, uh, and what God says there. All right. Thank you for your patience. I know we went over this evening, and probably Mrs. Lesser is just crying back there with all those kids she probably needs a rod right at this moment but let's uh let's pray and close okay (laughs) father we thank you for the time you've given us and uh we're thankful for your word and the truth of it and thankful that we can get answers from the bible to help us in life and i pray that we would we would follow your admonition and not just listen to uh, the opinions of men and the ideas and thinking of men which opposes god's word and uh, may we be true to your word and be clear and understand it and follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you as you go. What's that? Noah, she probably needs the rod to chasten. Don't get me in trouble, any more trouble than I already am.